Oh me, oh my! Look at that fish! What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Smalley Talk Podcast. This is your host, Josh Shrinko. Got my other host, Chris Vaughn. What's up, Christian? What's up, buddy? We're uh, fully remote. This is our first episode that we're doing uh, with three people in three different locations. So Yeah, uh, yeah, which... You know, uh, which brings Welcome up to the 21st century, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm in, is... I'm in, I'm in Texas, man. got my cowboy boots on cowboy hat. Mm-hmm. Where are With you that at? Chris? Mustache, you better not venture across the border, bud. They're not going to let you back. <laughs> Build that wall. I have been mistaken. Uh, on the for... line, we have a guest that is probably the biggest name in fly fishing for smallmouth for sure. Or at least one of them. Um, <laughs> Mike Schultz of Schultz Outfitters. What's up, Mike? What's up, guys? How are you? Good, man. Good. Doing great. Yeah, it's a pleasure to speak with you. We've been following your, uh, you know, your social media stuff for a long time. So uh, I know that I, at least I am very excited. I mean, okay. being a fly fisherman, I, hang Josh. On. You know. Bef- hang on. Before we get started here, I got to I gotta tell you something, Mike. <clears throat> um, <laughs> so before this, before you, you dialed in here, um, Chris warned me. He's like, basically, like, "Hey, dude, like, don't do anything weird," because <laughs> he's re- Chris has had a long-standing affinity for you. Um, we some would call the man crush. I would call a little more than a man crush. Um, but Chris is he's a he's a big fan. So I'm gonna play it cool. <laughs> but I just wanted you to know, if you hear like heavy just... breathing on the other side, it's because <laughs> it's because Chris is really nervous right now. You're basically oh, his hero. So oh, I thought you were going to go a different direction with that heavy breathing. Well, so. I was I'm I was <laughs> I, I'm trying to keep it cool, Chris. But I appreciate uh... that, bud. Well, hey, Mike. Uh, just to kind of get started here on the interview, why don't you just kind of tell uh, the listeners, you know, who you are, what you're about, and uh, you know, kind of what makes you guys a little different than everybody else. Yeah. Uh, Mike Schultz, Schultz Outfitters out of Southeast Michigan. I am, uh, in my late thirties. I'm getting old, man. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just, uh, a fishing bum. Been into fishing in the outdoors my whole life. I uh, grew up, was blessed to grow up in Southeastern Michigan where there's uh, a good number of smallmouth uh, rivers and different pieces of water and kind of uh, that they were kind of my first fish that I really fell in love with and and uh, I really enjoy river fishing so I was kind of gravitated towards the smallmouth bass they're kind of right in my backyard and uh, just uh, over the last uh, going on 20 years just really focused on on smallmouth and and, and doing it on fly and uh you know, been fortunate enough to to grow up in uh, an area that uh, had great fishing, and been fortunate enough to meet some great people and uh, assemble a, a team of like-minded folks uh, that all work at the store and work for the guide service. And just uh, we love fishing, just like your listeners do. And you know, we're just blessed to be able to do it 
uh, and make a living off it. And, uh, yeah, just fully committed to, 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 to fishing smallmouth bass and, and fishing as much as we can, and having a good time man. getting through this crazy life. Yeah. Well, I mean, coming from Southeast Michigan, you guys are located kind of, uh, you know, Erie is right there. Um, St. Clair is right there. So why, why river smallmouth? Why not Lake smallmouth? I just, I really enjoy the moving water. I like the, you know, ever changing environment. I really enjoy being on water that doesn't have other people on it and having the place to myself. Amen. I, uh, you know, yeah, you know, I do a ton of talking, uh, when it comes to work and, 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 you know, talking with people, selling stuff and da, 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 da. So like the, the river is just a place where I can go talk away and get away. And, you know, there's, it's always that sense of adventure. What's around the next bend and, you know, what does this hole or this run or, or whatever hold. And, you know, I've just, it just runs in my blood. I, I, you know, nothing wrong with lake fishing and whatnot, but I just, uh, it doesn't uh, do the same thing uh, to me that uh, the river environment does. Yeah. Well, I, we agree with you for sure. Um, so why don't you, so your shop, you guys are like a full service fly shop and you guys do, um, you guys have a guide service as well. How many guys do you guys do you have right now yeah um so the, you know the the history of the shop is it started as a guide service eventually went into uh destination travel and that eventually became a brick and mortar shop but uh, uh okay. at this point in the uh, game yeah yeah at this point in the game we have um myself uh james hughes uh jay wasnowski colton decker and uh dan bennett so there's there's five of us and then we got a swing guide by the name of Adik Vitzo, who's been with me forever. It'll fill in when we need them. But uh, five guys running pretty hard during uh, during the season. Yeah. And do you guys do you guys guide uh, for the most part like all year round, or do you have like a season, or how how does that work? Well, yeah, it all started, you know, as, as a season. You know, you you start a business and whatnot, and. And uh, there's obviously going to be a peak, and and uh, you're going to start with that and, and build it from that point, and then build it out from there. So, um, do we guide year round? Yes. Um, you know, when it comes to December, January, February, and even into March, uh, at the beginning of the month, you know, it's it's going to take a pretty serious serious angler that's willing to go out and grind and and put the work in. Um, as opposed to the, the guy that's going to want to come out, uh, the angler that's going to want to come out and fish during peak, uh, where things come a little bit easier. So, uh, yes, we guide year round. Uh, are we up on our soapbox yelling, come fish with us in January? Probably <laughs> not. <laughs> and, and we don't, but, uh, you know, we definitely have clients that, that have fished with us for years and fished with us a lot. And you know, they, they keep, they're, they're as addicted as we are and they keep an eye on the weather. And, and when those 50, 60 degrees days pop up and, the middle of the winter and we know there's going to be a favorable bite window there are some crazy lunatics that want to go out and do it and uh you know our guys are obviously the guys that are guiding full-time are are chomping at the bit you know by 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 february they're you know eating ramen noodles and they've already tied enough flies to last them the season so if someone wants to go we're going yeah, and do you guys get ice out where you're at? I mean, you guys are kind of in the Ypsilanti area, so that's pretty far south. But uh, do they? Do you have open water yeah. all year? It just depends. Like this year, pretty mild winter, so it pretty much fished 
uh, you know, outside of maybe three weeks in, in January where there was slush and, and things got nasty. But, uh, you know, I've had years where it locks up for six, eight weeks. I've had years that where it never doesn't lock up at all. And this year it was a very small window where it locked up and, you know, it's all about having options and different, different pieces of water, you know, out of the, the six rivers that we guide in this area, they, they're all very unique and, um, you know, all of them have dams and, you know, understanding each one of those sections is, is important and knowing where you need to be at the right time. doesn't matter if it's January or it's June. Um, sure. It's all about being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. I mean, one of the stances that this podcast has taken is firmly in favor of global warming. So, I mean, the fact <laughs> right. that you have open water all year, you know, you're welcome. I mean, that's that's global warming. <laughs> Thank you, global warming. Yeah, it's one of the pros. I mean, you got to see the bright sides for sure. So, hey, um, uh, Chris, so, I got something for him real quick before oh, we move ahead. on. Um, yeah. So, Mike, I had a chance to go visit your shop uh, this past fall, which thank you for being a cool dude and giving me some tips. And, um, yeah, bought, bought some swag from your shop. So, um, do you on your just shop in general, do you have like a marketing background? Because I, I can tell you from Chris and I's standpoint, one of the things, the reason why we are kind of gravitating towards your shop, it's not just that you're all about smallmouth, it's that you have built a really cool brand. So is that something that you have a background in or do you just like naturally good at that stuff? Uh, so I definitely went to school. <laughs> I, I, I went to the business school at Eastern Michigan university, but okay. I often joke that, you know, it's, I mean, it's, 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 na- it's more natural and more gut than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you know, I, I obviously I, I'm a little bit older. So when I went to school, things were a hell of a lot different, but, um, no, it's, it's, um, it's, it's natural brother. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. It's just, no, uh, no, I do what I feel. That's all yeah. good, man. Well, you do a good job at Organic. it. I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I can tell you, uh, you know, coming from someone who's an admirer and, you know, just kind of talking with guys that are in the smallmouth community, you, you have some you have some cool stuff going on. I have a smallmouth syndicate sweatshirt and some Schultz hats and stuff. So you guys got a lot of got a lot of cool stuff. So. So, yeah. No. No, we, we listen to the consumer, man. It's, uh, you know, we, we do things that work and things that don't work, we shelf. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of ideas that get thrown out there. Not all of them you guys see, but, you know, it's just, uh, it's just how my brain works. I've always, I'm always thinking about something and on to the next. And like I said, sometimes they're good ideas, sometimes they're terrible ideas. So it's good to have a team that you can kind of throw that stuff at that, you know, has a different view and, and, and whatnot than, than you do. And, you know, like I said, sometimes it's like, you got, you're an idiot. And other times it's like, yeah, let's do that. And, uh, <laughs> most of the time, if we all collaborate, it, it comes out fairly good and we don't lose any money and people are happy. <laughs> yeah. That's cool, man. Well, it I mean, matches the social the, media uh, thing is, it, it is huge. I yeah, mean, the way that you yeah. guys, your presence on social media is just, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's second to none for sure. So, um, well, but uh, I appreciate I guess, it, man. Yeah. So one of the things, uh, one of the questions I had here was, I know that you said you guide on several rivers, but uh, are are most of the? Do you guys have like lake run smallmouth, or do you have mostly river, you know, uh, riverine fish up there? Yeah, it's all. Uh, believe it or not, it's all river, ri- river fish. 
There's uh, there's dams, there's impoundments, you know, that they, they can move in and out of. But the vast majority of the, the biggest fish that you're seeing, you know, on social media are all fish that it's, it's pretty rare nowadays with how many people we have on the water when it comes to our guides and whatnot that the fish haven't been located, you know, before they've been caught. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you'll, you'll, you'll find it's not just dumb luck. You know, like today, myself and my head guy, James Hughes, we went out and fished. It's just him and I, and we pretty much just fished the spots where we we know there's there's large fish and um, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, it, that definitely, I mean, for those of you who have listened to me speak before, whether it be at shows or on podcasts, it's, it's, it's definitely, you know, what we're showing you, what you're seeing is what's happening real time. You know, if I'm not putting anything up on social media for three, four, five weeks, it's because I'm not fishing, <laughs> I mean, to be honest wow. with you. Um, so everything is true. Everything is real. So I think that's, you know, one of the things that uh, kind of sets us apart is, is it's all organic. It's all real. It's all real times and it's happening that way. But, you know, having said that, like the amount of time and effort that these guys now that are younger than me, that are guiding for us, that are putting in, you know, that's where what really separates it and, and, and being able to well, find those fish and staying on those fish. Yeah, and I think I think one of the things that really for us, I think one of the reasons that we connect with with uh, your shop and and your presence, I guess, is you know when we go to fly shops, a lot of times we get the impression that maybe if they had the option, they would be trout fishing. Uh, but around here, right. there's not a lot of great trout fisheries, so they, you know, they settle for smallmouth bass. I think the fact that you emphasize smallmouth, that you have an appreciation or an affinity for the species and you, you market towards it, all your gear is, you know, focused on that. Your social media presence is focused on that. I think for people like Josh and I, I mean, you know, that's what, that's what we, that's what we've been looking for, you know? So, uh, Mm. we appreciate it for sure. And that's, I think that that's, you know, that's huge. So, Oh yeah, um, man. No doubt. Yeah. So, uh, I guess since we're in winter, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, a lot of guys are kind of just starting to get into winter fly fishing. It's tough for sure. So, uh, from your perspective, can you give us kind of the three flies that every winter, uh, fly fishing <laughs> needs for smallmouth? Yeah, no doubt. Um, when I, when I think of fly patterns, uh, you, you you know, you could say like a, a circus peanut or a red-eyed leech or variations of flies that get deep. Um, but really, when you're tying those and you're preparing those flies, you're gonna you're gonna tie them and manufacture them and build them uh, if you're gonna do it the right way in a ver- variety of different weights. So you could have a fly that's you know like a red-eyed leech or a circus peanut or you know variations of those flies <clears throat> that get down deep. But you're gonna want to tie them in you know, like just to break it down in the simplest terms, you know, something with a, with a medium dumbbell eye, something with a large dumbbell eye, something with an extra large dumbbell eye, and then even get in there and, and, and put in a, a tungsten bead with the eyes and, and, and manufacture yourself a, a set of jigs, uh, for, for lack of a better term, you know, that's what you're, you're tying, tying flies that are made to dredge and made to get deep. And, um, depending on how you're fishing, if you're fishing on foot, or if you're fishing from a boat is going to dictate how you're going to present those flies. 
Um, and I'm not going to lie to the listeners out there, the way that we have had a lot of success doing this is from a, a boat. Um, and we're not anchoring the boat is, is moving. The boat is being held back. Um, I've talked about it before. The, The rower has a ton to do with it. Um, so the way that we're controlling the flies, the way we're fishing them either deep or we're fishing them through structure, um, and whatnot, it's a, it's a team, a team type deal. Um, and that's how we're catching these fish in the winter. It's not so much. I got this magic bullet that just works. It's you got the, the fly that works and you have the proper weight and you have the proper line, the proper leader and the proper um, presentation with the boat in, in motion that uh, makes it all work. Sure. So uh, I guess for, you know, for, for the winter, you know, you're in, say you're in a boat and you're approaching a winter spot. Yep. So the water's going to be uh, presumably a little deeper. Current's going to be slower. Um you know, if you, if you're wanting to get down to the bottom, how do you have your rower position so that you can fish deep and slow? Yeah. I mean, it, it just depends, but like, I'll just, you know, that's what most people would assume that you're, that you're fishing to the deepest part of the river, which sure in some situations, yes, but most situations, no, that's one of the biggest things that we made the mistake when we first started doing this is we just pretty much concentrated on, on the deepest water when we first started, you know, like we're talking like five years ago, we're like, all right, we, now we're allowed to fish these fish year round. Let's try to figure it out. Um, you know, out of all the things you know about smallmouth bass and all the things you've heard and you've read, it's like, Oh, they go deep in the winter, you know? Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's try that first. Uh, we were so far off. It wasn't even funny. So we're finding a lot of these fish in fairly shallow water. Um, you know, I'm not talking 12, I mean, I, yeah, I've seen them in 12 inches, but the majority of these fish are, let's say two to five, but more likely the fish that you're actually going to engage, they're going to, uh, chase the flyer, eat the flyer, going to be in two to three, two to four. Um, so that's the type of water we're fishing and okay. you're fishing in a situation where the, uh, like today we were fishing fairly light, uh, patterns because we were fishing with James understands how I want to fish. I understand how he wants to fish. We, we approach angling very similar due to the amount of time we spend in the boat together and the amount of success we've had together. And, and likewise. So what we were doing today is we were, we, we knew where the fish were going to be already. Cause this is the, I think James had been out three days in a row, um, kind of had a good idea of what type of water they're holding in and what structure they're holding on and whatnot. And then the water that we were on today, we just, we know it like the back of our hand. So, the fish don't move far. Once they get locked in, say mid November, they're not going to move until now to let's say beginning of April until they start moving or shifting around. So we're, we're setting up against, uh, you know, up on these areas where let's say we're fishing river, right? We got a, a dark spot or a color change. Those are two things that are extremely important this time of year is, is where you go from a um, sand bottom or a mud bottom to a broken substrate and you have a defined color change uh, in the bottom and what we do is we fish way out front on a 45 degree angle water we were fishing today is crystal clear so we're fishing 45 degrees way out front uh, maybe even greater than 45 and uh, we're fishing like a, a, a large dumbbell eye on a circus peanut style fly something that has a bunch of rubber legs and kind of levitates and holds and what you're doing is you're, you're getting it out. You're getting it on a tight line. You're letting that fly swing slowly 
but the, the, the oarsman is letting the boat move downstream as the fly swinging. So there's, there's times where the fly is just naturally kind of floating in the current and then you'll strip a little bit and get tight to it. And then that fly kind of straightens out and then the rower would either let off or push into the, into the presentation to let the fly fall. And you're almost just hanging it in their face to where they really can't say no, you know? And the vast majority, you know, the time we spent before we knew that kind of stuff is we would just go down and we would just keep putting quarters in the slot and just keep throwing to where we thought they'd be and strip, 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 slow stripping. But that type of presentation where you really slow it down and you hang flies in their face and not necessarily use the heaviest flies because you're going to hang in the wood. You're going to hang on the rock. So you're, right. you're just holding that fly. It's almost like you're swinging, but it's really difficult to do with, with switch rods and spay rods like people always say like, Hey, I want to swing for smallmouth." It's like you can do it, but the, what we're doing, it's way more conducive to a single hand rod and an intermediate line than it is to a true swinging setup. Yeah. Well, Josh, don't get too excited. Swinging is a, uh, probably not <laughs> the term that you were looking for there. It's uh it's a fly fishing term. So, Hey, you know, Hey, I wanted to ask my guy, so something you said kind of piqued my interest a little bit. So yeah. <clears throat> when you guys started doing the more of this winter time stuff and, you know, conventional wisdom would tell you that, like you said, like, hey, deeper, slower areas are going to be the first spot you look for from a wintering spot. Mm-hmm. And I think Chris and I have found some of what you said to be true. Like, it's not always going to be the deepest spot. I and mean, we've... It's weird because you'll go in some spots and you'll be like, wow, there's tons of protection here. This should be a great place for smallmouth to be. And there's like, it's, there's nothing there. Um, mm-hmm. So when you do find those spots that are that two to five foot that you're, they're holding in the wintertime, like what, why do you think those fish are there? Like what, what's, what's, I know you mentioned like a bottom change, but like from a like protection standpoint and like just, you know, like why, why do you think the smallmouth are hanging out there and not somewhere else? Yeah. So what you're going to find is, as um, right now, let's say you go right out to the, the, the river here, you know, it's, it's the 36 degree water temps. Um, it, it's going to be very difficult to find fish in spots other than spots that have a soft bottom and usually have a dark bottom. Like today the, they got cocky and they started moving out out of those like just like spots you would never even think no current, just mud bottom, um, hanging out in that area. And then as the, as the water warms and the sun comes out, that you'll see them kind of move to those, those color change on some days. And that was what we saw today. By the time we got into that peak bite window, which we usually say is between one and four o'clock this time of year. Uh, by the time we got to 1245 and caught our first smallmouth, the fish were, had moved out of the deeper stuff and not all of them, a small, you know, the ones that we're like, we're eventually, we were running them over and we're like, damn dude, there's another one under our oar and Don't we're fishing that, to, to the bank or what. <laughs> right. Right. So the river we were on today runs pretty much, uh, North to South. So the uh, vast majority of the fish that we find this time of year are going to be on the West bank of the river. Um, it has to do with white levels. So they're going to get the most light over there. The water, you know, temps, you know, will be the same pretty much, but they're going to feel warmer if they're sitting obviously in the sun versus if they're sitting in the shade. 
Mm-hmm. So, and then also if they're sitting on rock versus sitting on soft bottom. So that soft bottom is going to warm faster. It's going to be darker, usually grayish black. They're going to sit on that. They're going to be in the wood versus being in the rock for warmth. And, and what you'll see is as the water temps get warmer, you'll see those fish move out of that totally dead stuff into that little bit slower flow. And then they start creeping, creeping, creeping. And by the time it gets to 45 on our rivers, they're usually right on the seams. And you won't even find many, you're not going to find many fish on rock until, you know, 45 or, or warmer um, from what we have found on our rivers. So, you know, you could be like other people, maybe listening to this going, man, that's not how it is down south. But that is how it is around here. And, you know, I'm, I'm firm on that. that the, the fish definitely uh, cater towards that soft bottom, dark bottom. You know, I was told when I first started goofing around doing this and trying it that, by a really good gear angler that, you know, find areas that have water that grows weeds in the summer. And that's where you're going to find the fish. Cause that's where the bugs are going to be. Mm-hmm. And so those fish are in there eating crayfish, they're eating helger mites, they're eating mayflies, whatever they might be doing. Yeah. But like, I mean, you guys have messed around in the winter. You see the, the fish, like most people would think that like, yeah, they're not feeding much in the winter, but the fish are fat, man. They're super fat in the winter, and they're they're happy. I mean, obviously their metabolism is slowed way down, and they're not, uh, right. um, you know, burning it off like they would in the warm water. But you know, you catch them, and they're they're not quite pre-spawn fat, but they're they're solid fish in the winter. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. They got that hibernation weight on them or something. I don't know, but uh, exactly. exactly. But uh, so a couple a couple more questions, I guess, before before we move yeah. on to the next thing here. So, do you have a like when you're swinging like that, do you have, what's your line set up and your leader set up look like for, for that yeah. situation? I run, I run a eight weight. I run, uh, that G Loomis, um, uh, eight foot, 10 inch, one piece streamer rod. That's okay. pretty much my go-to. And then I'm running, uh, the scientific anglers full intermediate. And that line is built for colder water temps. So that's not going to kink up on you and tangle. It's going to have a multi-filament core, which is really good versus a mono core this time of year. So um, fishing the intermediates, I'm hand building the leader. I'm going 30, 25, 20, um, sometimes down to as thin as 10. Today we were running 12 and all okay. fluorocarbon and okay. a little loop knot right, right to our fly. And that's pretty much it. And, you know, what you're getting, like a lot of people will reach out with DM or messenger, or even in the shop and ask about St. Tips. And the reason that I like the intermediates is our rivers are not that deep, right? And they're not moving super fast. And our flies don't need to track over great distance. They literally need to drop into small areas. Um, and this time of year, feeling the fly whether it's brushing against wood or rock or it's getting eaten is more important than getting it down so i want to be able to feel that fly work versus fishing the line so if i if i have a sink tip i'm fishing the weight of the line and i'm not really feeling the fly whereas when when fishing intermediate i have a direct connection to my fly and i can feel it right yeah okay yeah that that makes that makes perfect sense so uh and then another thing here so i mean you seem like you've got so many details so i mean do you guys have just like a log 
with all this stuff, like when you're talking about north to south, you know, they're going to be on the West Bank, or is this just experience, or do you guys actually have like a, you know, like a log that you nah, keep? Dude. It's just all experience. I mean, it's just it? going out yeah. and fishing a ton. I mean, when I was not married with two kids in a fly shop, and <laughs> I mean, I fished, I fished, you know, a couple hundred days a year. Wow. You know, no, no problem. You know, it just, just, just totally infected. Um, unfortunately I'm not allowed to do that anymore, but, uh, I still get a lot of fishing in, but the younger guys, you know, man, they, you know, they're, they're some of them are married, but most of them aren't and they fish for now. Kind of took all over. Yeah. It took over. Yeah, exactly. You know, these 20 somethings, man, they, they get the fish. So, um, yeah. yeah, man, it's just kind of passing on your knowledge and, and giving them everything you got and, and letting them go and spread their wings. And like I've, I've said it before with, with this kind of stuff, it's like you're only as good as your network. Um, and like having multiple guys that all share information and, and truthful information um, and want everybody to succeed as much as they want to succeed. That has just been the, you know, the freaking nitrous to make this thing take off is you've got, you've got all those guys sharing and, and you're, you got guys on different rivers and you're able to put your put your uh, uh, observations together and, and come up with stuff that actually makes sense instead of just guessing. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, I guess onto the onto the next thing here. So this is a question we ask every guest. Every guest, uh, what's your personal best smallmouth? Yeah, I've never got a twenty-two, um, but I've I've got no. some nice twenty-ones and some change. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of my, and there's like some quest for 23s out there, but I, I'm still trying to get my 22. So we take a 22. Uh, I, every, every, every guest that we talk to, yeah. we think we should adjust our number because, uh, we, you know, we've talked to pretty much, you know, some of the, you know, Tim Holschlag and, you know, uh, you and, and other people that certainly we would expect to have caught a 23 before us and, and they haven't. So, uh. No, so, dude. anyways, so what's your uh, what's your, <laughs> yeah, bucket, no. list? They're, they're what's okay. your bucket list smallmouth destination, Mike? Dude, I I mean honestly, I I don't really have one. I mean, I want to get out and when as I get older, I gotta hit some of these spots where some of my buddies guide during peak. You know, so I mean, yeah. I just love exploring the upper Midwest and and getting away. I mean, don't get me wrong, we got it pretty damn good here with, um, you know, having places to ourselves. But there's something about going going up to northern wisconsin northern minnesota sure. northern michigan and and fishing that stuff so that stuff's you know definitely i want to continue to explore that and and whatnot it's just different. And I, I mean, I it, yeah. up there it's just different i mean just it's just wild you know like uh no we doubt. did the Menom- we did the menominee two years ago and you know we've done the upper wisconsin a few times it's just there's something different about it for sure it's just untouched no or doubt. whatever whatever the appeal is so Mike, we didn't yeah, ask no, you what uh, what it, what are the rivers that you guide on? Obviously, we know the Huron. Um, which other yeah, ones I do forgot, you guys? Man. No, it's all right. Which other ones <laughs> do you? <laughs> you forgot them? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> no, I'm I'm well. No. I'm cu- curious, like, because we go. I I don't even know how far the Muskegon. Do you guys ever go out there at all, or is uh, that? We don't we don't guide it, but I fished it. It's 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 a cool fishery, definitely. Yeah definitely cool there's some awesome stuff you know i think like 
dude, if you like pick any of these rivers, doesn't matter if it's Southeast, Southwest Michigan, pretty much everything. Like there's so much good stuff and like, there's so much stuff that's really unexplored and, 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 you know, there's no established guide services on really most of the rivers. There's so much cool stuff and Mm -hmm. they're all good. I mean, it's like smallmouth, you get kind of get that rap, like, you know, especially some of the trout guys like, Oh, they're easy. You know, why would you want to go catch a fish? You can catch 50 a day. And it's like, yeah, you could do that. You want to go catch 50 dinks. That's great. But you know, if, if all these rivers have big fish, you know, but like mm-hmm. it took us forever. Like I, we didn't catch a 20 inch fish for like seven or eight years, you know? Wow. And once you start putting it all together and, you know, and get the group together and, and figure stuff out and the flies have changed so much, dude, they all have big fish. And I mean, just, I, I hate when people say like, Oh, there's no big fish. And I'm, I got to come out with fish with you, where you guys fish. It's like, Dude, if you went down the river by my house and, and floated, you'd swear there wasn't a damn fish in there if you've never been down it before, you know? And mm-hmm. all of them have them, you know? We know, we know better them, than but... that, so. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, man. You know, but smallmouth can be frustrating if they're in the right environment. They're definitely very difficult to catch if, if uh, you well, got the odds stacked against you. <clears throat> well, Josh did, Josh did the Huron last year. Um, and I, yep. I had, I had waited the Huron once I was up there for a wedding and I just, you know, couldn't resist taking a fishing pole and, you know, went up and, and did about a couple hour wait. But, uh, Josh was saying that the Huron is an extremely technical fishery, um, which is, it is. Dis, it's dissimilar to our smallmouth rivers for sure. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, it's so it's it's probably very different from the even the other rivers that you that you guide on. Is that is that true? Very. Or, okay. Yeah, I just tell people like it's like the Huron is like, you know, if you're a golfer, you go to the par three, you go to your local course, and then you go to Pebble Beach. You okay. know, I mean, that's what it is. It's difficult. There's not a lot of fish, so you got not a lot of fish, and then you have extremely clear water, and then by the time you get to let's just say Labor Day or Memorial Day weekend, now you've got canoes, kayaks, and, you know, everybody else going down it. So that totally changes the fish's behavior and, and whatnot. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's not easy. You know, it's something that uh, I, you know, I have it right here. Like, I literally live right by it. So I'm, I'm on it all the time. And uh, there's times where I don't even bother going down it, you know, just because it's, I know that you're just going to get your ass handed to you. Um, so yeah, I mean, the Huron is so much different than the other places when it comes to how technical it is to fish and, and just, uh, you know, you would think that it being, um, in close to Ann Arbor with, you know, Metro parks and whatnot, that it'd be super easy and you just pull up and throw your boat in and, you know, call a car shuttle service and they just pick you up. It's like, none of that's true. You have to do everything yourself. So Mm -hmm. there's definitely, uh, you know, barriers to entry and then, you know, we'll see it in the spring. You get, you start guiding and you see a boat you know one day and you see him a couple of days later and then you might see him a third time but but they're gone you know they're like man there ain't no fish in here see the other thing is it muds up right i mean it, it muds up with rain and stuff too like i know like yeah. the muskegon for instance or you know probably yeah. the menominee they just don't have a lot of agriculture so they you know they don't really mud up um 
but uh, I know for a fact that the Huron muds up because I, we tried to yep. fish it a couple of years ago and it was like less than 18 inches of visibility. So, hmm. yeah, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. All the rivers around here below. And that's, you know, that one was always one of the biggest hurdles when we, we first started was knowing that stuff. And it's, you know, we always tell our, our clients, if you ever have a chance to like read our pre-trip information for guides, guide trips, it's like, you may not find out where you're going until, 24 uh, 12 to 24 hours beforehand and that's not because we want to like keep it a secret to where we're going we literally want to put you on the best float on one of those six rivers the, the next day and that stuff changes like immediate you know so um like today where we fished the water was down 10 inches from yesterday mm. we didn't oh, know geez. that you couldn't you couldn't even look at a uh. you couldn't even look at a gauge and tell that you know so Mm-hmm. Um, there's sometimes where you just never know and you kind of get caught with your pants down, but then there's other times where if you, you understand the, the flow, um, of the river by utilizing the USGS site, you, you can understand what's happening and what will happen when certain dams do certain things, or you get certain events like snow melt or rain. Sure. Okay. Uh, so being who you are and kind of doing what you do, uh, you've been, to, you've been able to probably fish with, you know, Larry Dahlberg and, and, uh, Blaine chocolate and people that, you know, all of us normal smallmouth fishermen just kind of see on, on social media or read their books or whatever. So, uh, one of the questions that I had for you was, uh, the person that you've met or fished with, uh, that you were most excited to meet and interact with. Yeah, no, hands down was Larry. You know, I mean, like, okay. not even a question. Like, that was, like, you know, growing up watching in Fisherman and then watching years of Hunt for Big Fish. And, you know, and that was, like, he was always the dude, you know. And I kind of, when we brought him to demo days, it was, like, all, some of our really close clients were, like, what are we going to do now? You know, like, <laughs> we don't have, like, how's it going to be any better? We had Larry here, you know. So, yeah, Larry was always the guy. We always said he was the Wayne Gretzky of, uh, of, of fishing and, you know, Larry has, has been kind enough to, you know, come to the shop on a few occasions. And, you know, he's a guy that I can text or call and, and he'll pick up and shoot the shit with me. And, um, you know, he, he's obviously very impressive uh, with his angling skills. Uh, you know, I've got to fish him before. And, you know, another guy that's a little bit older than Larry that was just, you know, a joy to fish with and a joy to converse with and, keep in touch with is, is Bob Clouser. You know, he was always oh, yeah. the, the, you know, the small mouth guy when I was a kid growing up and you always read his books and looked up to him and whatnot. And, you know, still in his late seventies, whatever, you know, however old he is now, maybe 80, like the guy just, he'll sit down all day and fish, but just throws darts from the seated position, you know, in small <laughs> water and can tuck it wherever, you know, it's just like, I, God, I hope I can, even cast at that age, but if I could cast it that good, that'd be great. But yeah, there's a lot of people that you fish with. You're like, Hey, he's all right. And then there's guys that you fish with that are like, damn, like that's, you know, that's some serious skill. I hope I could. He lived up to the hype. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's kind of how Chris feels about me. Every time we go together. That's exactly exactly right. (laughs) I see, I see Josh floating on the river. I'm like, God, I hope when I'm that fat, I'm still able to row a kayak. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, he's not going to be back. He's down there on the border. They're not going to let him back. He's, (laughs) 
And they're going to say, back to your homeland. All right. So, uh, so spring, it's coming up uh, probably a little sooner for us than it is for you. But when, when do you guys kind of start into the spring program? Yeah. Well, our guiding, like we have guide trips this weekend. So we got some of those crazy guys going out early, but uh, on a normal year, uh, the, the Midwest Fly Fishing Expo is coming up in two weeks. And then usually after that, that's when it really takes off for us. Uh, okay. I try to book my my schedule starting early April. Um, you know, as, as water temps roll into the high 30s and kind of hit that 40 mark, that's when you know, like, it's really going to start going off. And you, you notice the fish's behavior change as, as the air temps and the water temps go up. And, you know, hopefully we have some timely rains that really just blow, like almost blow everything out and just kind of get everything started. And when that happens, most people look at the rivers and go, no way I'm going out there. We look at it as like, oh, here we go. This is the re-rack that we've been looking for and really, really takes off. So uh, on a normal year, uh, first week of April, I really like that's when the swim fly bite usually tips is that uh, first first week, 10 days of April. And that's when I get really excited and Sure. Uh, we were talking about today. I mean, the next 12, 12 to 14 weeks are going to be the best fishing of the year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really, no, sure. matter, no matter where you're at. So, so what, yeah, a, when you now. say swim fly, what do you, what is, what is a swim fly just for the, yeah. for Josh? And yeah. Just, uh, yeah. Something like, you know, like, uh, your, like your, your swim baits, you know, it doesn't matter if you're throwing like a, a rubber, you know, boot tail style deal or, or, um, you know, a hard, you know, multi-jointed swim bait, uh, those type of flies are those type of flies that imitate those type of lures. Um, there's a, there's definitely a, a time where they, um, where the water temps are more conducive to that style presentation. And I, I would think that forage base, you know, right now they're, you know, probably not looking to eat a six inch swimming bait fish, you know, versus eating a leech or a helgramite or a crayfish or whatever they can get their, their mouth around. So, um, don't get me wrong. We, I moved a really, the biggest fish of the day today that we moved, uh, small mouth wise came to, a, a mop tail, um, brush head feather changer, something that really? I could, it's a, yeah, a little heavier fly that I could, I could cast and we could do that same type of presentation that we do with the dumbbell eyes, but I can visually see a white cream colored fly working through the water, which I enjoy versus fishing just by feel. Um, so when that gets going, they'll, they'll real, that's when the fish usually will move out of, uh, by that time, I should say, those fish have moved out of the completely dead water. Now they're in water with a little more current, uh, more flow, rather, and you're able to present that fly and uh, elicit a, more of a chase response versus feeding it to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, kind of the same setup for the most part. I mean, same eight-weight intermediate line. Yep uh all fluorocarbon down to you know 30 20 yep. 15 or 30 20 12 or whatever um yeah by the time you're chasing those flies you're running 16 you know you're running like uh like you guys have seen the swing and d yeah and what that fly is designed to do that fly is designed to hold um in an area and just kind of create a ruckus in a in a small area versus a fly that you're going to track back to you um so that fly really comes into play because you can hold that thing and then you can weight it depending on how you put your weighting on it, whether you, you put lead wraps on the, on the front hook or you, you put strips of lead in the fly, you're able to 
almost create a, a neutral buoyancy pop, uh, property to the fly where it holds and stays in a zone and you could fish it over top of wood and that stuff. Um, so yeah, when that happens, that's like my second favorite way to get them is <laughs> that way. And then yeah. frogging would be the, my favorite. Okay. You know, frogging with happens, the, yeah. like a swimming frog or something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like when, that, when does that, that like, usually kick off for you guys? Is that like post spawn? Usually get the them. At, part? No, no. I get them pre spawn on frogs. We get them like uh third week of April. Usually we can get them to go. Oh, well, wow. that's okay. fun. Yeah. Early. It was, it was, all this stuff, man. It's like, we've just been pushing it out further and further and further. Um, and I, you know, I get, you know, we used to get excited when we would get one on a popper by May 15th, you know, mm-hmm. and then now it's like, you know, push it early. So usually opening weekend, which is not truly opening weekend anymore, but, um, we call it the traditional opener, which is the traditional opener. But last Saturday in April is like one day where the whole squad fishes together. So we just take that Saturday off and go fishing. And usually we'll get some fish on streamers in the day. And then for some reason, like every year that day just happens to be beautiful. I don't know why we just kind of blessed with it. <laughs> and, uh, and we usually will bust the frog out in that afternoon and get him to go on the frog. But um, it's all about that's water. Pretty, tennis, that's man. pretty early. I mean, know. yeah, that's 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 uh, really early. So we'll have to I'll have to yeah, try that for sure. So, um, oh, and I call it the drunk right. frog, man. It's like the water's cold. Frogs don't swim very good when the water's cold. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So I kind of want to skip skip down here because I actually kind of have a have a little thing I got to do here. So, uh, I just wanted to ask, I guess, what is the, what is the future hold for Schultz outfitters? What, what's the next thing? Yeah. Um, you know, we're always looking to do something cool and something unique and something different. So, uh, we, we've been able to, we first started, we had a couple, couple uh, units and a really a five unit building. And, uh, we were able to now take over all of them. So, uh, coming beginning of April, uh, we're expanding the footprint of the shop again, all the, all the portions in, in the way that the fly shop works, nothing's going to change on that front. You know, we're, uh, we're going to keep, keep that all rolling the same. And, uh, we're actually, um, expanding into the conventional realm yeah, of, of things. I, and we're, I heard about that You're coming over, yeah. coming over to the dark side, huh? Yeah, just, uh, you know, the way we look at it is I think that, you know, when I first started in this industry, when it comes to the fly fishing industry, there was there was definitely that kind of, uh, there was a, a big divide between gear anglers and fly anglers and, you know, um, you know, tools of the devil and the sin bin and all the things that they used to, you know, some of the older guys, but like those guys are, are you know, that's an old generation and it, it's, it's, I think it's time to, to, to bridge the gap. Um, I, 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 it's never been so close, you know, but with, with the evolution in flies and the evolution in uh, fly tying materials and whatnot, that it's never been so close. And, and from, you know, a great area and a great state of Michigan that has ridiculous river and lake fishing. Like, as you mentioned, we got Lake here, we got Lake St. Clair, you got Lake Huron all within striking distance and a lot of inland lakes it's really an area that's been underserviced when it comes to the conventional end of things, when it comes to, for lack of a better term, higher end stuff, you know, um, 
you can go to Bass Pro and Cabela's and buy the basics and whatnot. But if you want to get firsthand knowledge and a Schultz Outfitters type shopping experience, um, you know, there's, there's nothing out there. Um, so, uh, that's where, that's where we're going. We got some really cool, uh, stuff in the works and things that have worked for, and in the fly ends of things, well, we believe will translate nicely to the conventional end of things, especially with the younger generation of anglers. That's cool, yeah. man. Exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Josh, did you have any, anything that, any questions or anything that you wanted to ask? I kind of dominated a little bit but you're known to do that that's all right um the only thing i had i had said a quick question on the so when i went up there you gave me a little bit of advice and i didn't my stubborn self didn't understand it until i had fished for a couple hours and not caught anything um but you were saying yeah man you're gonna spend at least as much time standing up looking for fish as you're actually casting. Um, and I found that I was actually looking for fish probably about 70% of the time and casting 30, which is not the type of fishing I do a lot. Um, so a lot of sight fishing, which I thought it was really fun, but it was also somewhat frustrating. Um, Mm -hmm. is that something that you find just in the summertime or are you guys doing that pretty much like year round? No, it's, it's definitely a water level thing. Um, you know, there's, there's every, you know, every, you play a different field, you play a different river, you play a different lake, whatever. There's obviously there's, there's ways to approach it. Um, you just happen to be here in a low water, uh, time of year. So, uh, when we're out there this time of year, it's really predictable where they're going to be and where they're going to prefer to, to hold. And, and maybe they make, make slight shifts when they're just in a holding pattern versus when they're feeding. Hence what I talked about earlier, where you'll see those fish like up tight against the bank in the wood. And then as the water warms, you'll see them move out to those color changes, um, you know, which is what happened to us today. But um, uh, in the summertime, uh, depending on the river you're on, but like what you saw was you, what you floated, you floated a river that has very low populations of bait fish, right? So mm-hmm. even our biggest fish that time of year, um, are looking for alternative food sources. And what happens where you were fishing is they key in on terrestrials. So sure, you can go down the river and throw frogs around, you can throw bait fish around, but what those fish are doing is, and we've, we've seen it, you know, for many years, they're, they're almost on a, um, a milk run, so to speak, where those bigger fish will, you can anchor on them and just sit and, and watch their behavior and they'll move and, and swim in like a, a circle or in a, on a, like a imaginary trail right. of where they go. I know it sounds crazy, but no, um, I, I saw you know, that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You saw it. So, so they'll eat terrestrials, you know, they'll eat damselflies, dragonflies, you know, whatever, grasshoppers, whatever they can eat. Um, but they'll also take advantage in the low water of feeding off of other fish or turtles and that kind of stuff. So you could catch a fish that is usually in an area in one spot and then the next off a turtle. And then the next day, the turtles a half mile upstream and the same damn fish are on the back of that turtle. And we've had that happen before where we've, we've caught fish over like the span of three days, caught it, big fish, tagged it, let it go. And then two days later, it's a mile, a half mile downstream or a half mile upstream, still feeding off the same turtle. So, that's cool. Uh, 
Okay, well, that, that kind of pretty cool. That kind of brings up, uh, I guess, another question. When you say tagging, is that like a is that like a public program or is that like a private program or are you just using that as a yeah, speech a, or what? It's just a just a private thing. We uh, we we were able to talk with people and it was it was cool. Just, <laughs> so, it's just how you uh, it's started, how you name your pet smallmouth. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, we really did it just to see if we were crazy or not and, like, see the movements. And, you know, we don't do it on every river. We do it on a couple of different rivers that we've kind of narrowed down to areas that are unique. And we wanted to see the, the movements of the fish. And, you know, our fish don't move very far, which is really pretty cool. And I'm sure you, you guys probably experienced the same thing down where you're at. Um, and I'm sure they're available if, if someone really wanted to dig there's some studies that Larry did with the Minnesota department of natural resources with tag smallmouth. And, um, yeah, you know, this is just from speaking, you know, to him just casually, um, there, from what I gather, there's, there's an, like a, almost a, like an imaginary line, let's say, let's say the 45th parallel, right. Where the fish North of there tend to migrate, a lot more than the fish south of there. Um, and I'm not sure exactly where it is, but they've done studies and they're probably available. I mean, it's probably public knowledge, but this stuff was done in the eighties and and nineties. Um, and, and those fish will, will, uh, like, you know, move 70 miles between reservoirs and dams up in Minnesota where our fish, if they got 20 miles between a dam, right. You know, that's a big gap. Um, and then, within that it's like how how much better is the water up below the dam than is the hole that's adjacent to where they usually live so you'll see fish you'll see like key areas they'll have one fish in the summer or two fish or whatever and in the winter they might have 10 in that area but then those fish as the water warms they'll disperse and kind of go to their normal spots now i'm not saying that a 15 inch fish has a it has a log that it lives on. I'm talking about mature fish, just right. like a mature brown trout is going to find a, an alpha fish lie and, and take that spot over. Um, I'm sure you guys have seen it fishing in kayaks, being all stealthy and quiet. Like smallmouth are pretty aggressive. I've watched them chase catfish off their, you know, three, four times their size. I've watched them run into the sides of carp uh, when I'm yeah. observing them. So, um, you know, That's they're pretty, like pretty territorial. Yeah, right? Yeah. They're badass fish, man. They are. So, yeah, that's, it's pretty cool, man. Every, like, I always tell people, every river's different. You know, what I'm telling you from my home waters could be totally different than what you're experiencing in Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Virginia, wherever it may be. Um, but that's what we're, you know, what we're seeing, and that's what we formulate our game plan and our, our programs around is, is our fish, obviously. That's good stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I Yeah, that's uh, – so you guys have a little – a little tagging thing going on that's uh that's very interesting so well anyways mike well thanks for coming on man we really appreciate it appreciate you uh giving us some knowledge and just spend the time to talk to us uh it was great so thanks hey, mike a lot. you mike you want to give everybody like your social media oh, credentials yeah. so sure. they know how to get a hold of you your website all that stuff yeah sure uh, mike schultz uh schultz outfitters on instagram schultz outfitters on facebook um, if you're really digging what you see, there's a Schultz Outfitters customer form on Facebook that you can uh, request to become part of. It's kind of the place where we 
uh, let uh, the latest and greatest and kind of throw in classes and exclusives and limited run items first before they get thrown out to everybody. And then, of course, you can sign up for our, our newsletter off our website or off Facebook. Um, if, if you can't figure that out, just send an email to team at SchultzOutfitters.com and we'll get you dialed in. Uh, like I said, if you, if you need anything for fly fishing or conventional, come, uh, come spring 2020, we got you covered. Um, you know, Schultz Outfitters is a, is a, is a shop full of like-minded individuals, great team of people, great culture around the shop, really easy to do business with. And, uh, you know, customer service is what we do best. So, um, appreciate you guys having me on and, uh, hopefully we can do it again in the future. And you guys need to get your ass up here and go fishing uh, the summer. Don't worry, Mike. We'll be there, bud. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, you. Mike. Right. Take it easy, man. Take care, guys. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, free the fighter. Ah, do so.